1, 2, 3. This is Love in the Age of Mender, and I'm your host, Hadi Berry. I'm really happy to be in the studio today with Nisreen Hasim. Yay! I first met Nisreen on a beautiful and sunny Saturday afternoon, I think. Was it a Saturday? Anyway, what I know for sure is that it was the day of Beyonce's Formation World Tour here in the Bay Area. Ah, take me back. I was instantly a fan of Nisreen. She was wearing this peachy romper or jumpsuit, I'm not sure exactly. And she had these dangly things on it that reflected the light. The girl had taste and I really wanted to be her friend. So I'm super stoked to be in the studio and finally get to know her a bit better. Okay, full disclosure, this is our second take. There will be some context that you might not get, but we'll expand on it as we go. Yeah, but this is almost like the better take because we get to do it in person. I agree, and not I just agree. over the phone. I so. agree. Between, I know you you refer to yourself as a half halfie. Uh-huh. And I would love you to kind of explain that to the people listening. Yeah, so um, I definitely do refer to myself on regular occasion as a halfie. <laughs> and this is because my mom is Malaysian and my dad is African-American. So got that mixed <laughs> baby complication going on. <laughs> and you, you were born in California, right? Yeah, I was actually born in Oakland, so not that far away from here. Yay, um, nice. So this is like a homecoming. Yes. Okay. And I know that you grew up in a very small community, and you were partly homeschooled until it was eighth grade. Yes. So can you tell me, share a bit more about what it was like for you to go to school, the public school system, and also what kind of realizations you went to through during that time. Yeah, totally. So after I was a month old, we ended up moving to San Luis Obispo County. And some of you guys might know where it is because it's close to this university called Cal Poly. I did not grow up in the town in which Cal Poly is located, nor did I grow up in like one of the small 20,000 person towns that's kind of, you know, like maybe a half hour drive away. I grew up outside of one of those 20,000 person towns in a town of 500 people. So, oh man. <laughs> yeah. Um it was it was really interesting, right? You know, for a number of reasons. Number one, you know, kind of growing up there most of the people were white or Latino to the point where um actually one of my younger brothers, he thought that every time we saw a really dark-skinned person, he thought that we were related to them. <laughs> So that that was really interesting. Like the the part of California I grew up in is one of the really red parts of the state that mm-hmm. I think gets really um overlooked cuz when people think about California, they normally think about like the Bay Area or LA, right? And like the state turns really blue during, you yeah. know, all the presidential elections. But I often like kind of thought of my part of California as the part where, you know, like the kind of stereotypical Texans ended up. And in the the really small 500-person town that I grew up in, it was a town mostly of, like of migrant workers and um the the local school system was really under-resourced. So as a result, my parents actually ended up deciding to, like, homeschool mm-hmm. me. And my mom took primary responsibility for that. But there was there were times when I was a handful. 
It's fine. <laughs> I think that's why she decided to have more kids. <laughs> to she, help her? Because you know, she wanted one that was, like, well, oh, I don't know. These are, like, the kinds of things. When you're, like, the oldest of, like, seven kids, you, like, try to reassure yourself Oh, my God, lot. seven. I'm the oldest of four. And any more, and I feel like I would have been, like, scrapping for attention. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. They said I was a handful. Okay. Right? Eventually, you know, when I got to, like, eighth grade, there was a point at which, you know, kind of teaching me was beyond her ability. So um, this was, like, eighth grade, right? I started eighth grade at the beginning of September mm. 2001. Mm. Guess what? <laughs> Two weeks later, there was 9-11. So that... You know, was really interesting because whenever I think about my identity as a Muslim, I think the thing that I really realized is I kind of went from just being Muslim to being very aware of my religious identity becoming my political identity, right? You know, I'm like this brown Muslim woman. All of these things are so politicized. You know, that was just something that has really shaped me because it wasn't like there was a kind of ease into this activism. The day of 9-11, my parents were not sure whether I should go to school because on West Coast time, it happened first thing in the morning. I was like getting ready to go to school. And of course, you know, you have like your parents looking at the TV screen and they're just kind of like, hey, you know, I don't think this is a good idea. When you're a kid, you're just like, well, I didn't bomb the Twin Towers. Don't (laughs) see what this has to do with me. (laughs) Anyone who would think I would do that is an idiot, right? (laughs) But of course, that is like how people do connect the dots. And like, you know, when I got to school, my mom wore a hijab back in the day. So like my family was pretty easily identifiable as a Muslim one. And that was my introduction to activism, you know, kind of like being really aware Mm -hmm. of like the vocabulary of like, you know, the news of like, you know, just kind of being present Mm -hmm. as like the person that that I was. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I started high school, I actually did start to wear hijab. I don't wear it anymore. But the reason why I started to wear it is because I wanted to be very easily identifiable as a Muslim. Yeah, it felt to me like a, a reaction for you to claim the space that people were going to identify you anyway as a Muslim. And so you kind of wanted to reclaim how you wanted to present yourself. Yeah, I was just kind of like, if, you, if you're going to have something to say, you should come up to me and say it. Yeah. So you guys are going to have to deal with it kind of situation so no it was definitely now that we have this more sophisticated vocabulary taking back that space especially since this is something that still makes me so angry you know the way muslim women are like portrayed as just the submissive women that have things happen to them and of course if you are a muslim woman you like know that this is the farthest farthest thing from the truth like yani like everyone's (laughs) afraid of I know for me it was so hard to reconcile from what I've like, because especially think of my mother and the role yeah. she plays in her family and also growing up in West Africa and having had a different expression of what it's like to be a Muslim. It's like I don't understand where these images or these ideas come from because that is not the one story. It's kind of ironic. They always show like women in like the burqa or like whatever. Yeah. And it's just like they're so hidden, you know, and I think that's a little symbolic because it's just like you're not even like taking the time to like peel back the layers and like really understand all of us. And also, you know, the other thing that really annoyed me because I am not Arab, (laughs) even though I do speak Arabic, there's a reason for that. But it's just like, (laughs) we're not all Arab. In fact, 
Southeast Asian speaking up here. It's just like, you know, Indonesia is the biggest Muslim country. I know, right, I guys? Know. Like, how dare? <laughs> well, for me, like, there seems to be an erasure, especially of the black Muslim. Yes. So I don't present as a Muslim uh-huh. woman. Uh, so coming to the U.S., and you realize that there's also ignorance of the history of Islam oh. within the U.S. There's a rich history tied to the civil rights movement that people are completely oblivious or, or ignoring of. And I think that really, it kind of angers me sometimes. Like, there's a lot more complexity what, about that identity. There's so much diversity in the Ummah and the Muslim the Muslim community. No, and I think that's something we have to really, like, be aware of, like, even within the Muslim community. Yes, there's that erasure outside of the community, but then there's also that erasure within the community. Like, if you look at, you know, kind of the ways the immigrant Muslim community and, like, the Black American community have interacted, it hasn't been an easy relationship. It has not been an easy relationship. That is something that we really need to be really aware of because, like, when we think about, like, the civil rights issues that are, like, facing us... Yo, (laughs) you know, (laughs) overlap much. But then also if we like think about our religion and think about how we're compelled to like seek justice as Muslims, Mm -hmm. the very fact that we aren't taking things that are happening to the African-American community writ large very seriously, that is, you know, like a massive failure on Mm -hmm. our part, for sure. That's a fair point. Yeah. So I know that you mentioned your time in college as a great time for discovery and getting to explore yourself and express yourself in different ways. And I kind of wanted you to share more about that. And especially when it comes to your own personal relationships and your love life. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so um, high school years, lots of presenting as the perfect Muslim girl. (laughs) That was really stressful. (laughs) really stressful really exhausting and now that i'm an adult i like now think that it's really unfair (laughs) that you know a lot of muslim kids had to do that especially muslim girls actually because you know if you did choose to wear hijab you were a lot more visible but so like when i got to college i went from being one of three muslim kids at my high school and we know yale is not the most diverse of places but the fact that it was a lot more diverse than where i grew up like you know should really tell you something there's all of a sudden this muslim community of, like, young liberal Muslims. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, I am not the only one. <laughs> I can be, like, a person. <laughs> um, rather than this, like, representation of Muslim womanhood. So I was just like, yes, who am I? And, you know, like, there's this little bit of an existential crisis. Who is Nisreen Hasib if she is not just a Muslim? I don't know. It was, like, challenging and, like, you know, difficult. Because, you know, I think I finally got to you know, have that growth that you're, you usually have during your teenage years in college, you know, kind of figuring out, oh, I am, like, interested romantically in many different people. Oh, shit, I'm interested in men and women. So, like, that was a really, you know, hard thing to, like, deal with because growing up in, like, conservative California, you know, there was, like, one queer kid who was out at our high school. I saw what happened to him, and I was just, like... It's hard enough being Muslim here. I'm not even, like, going to deal with that, like, right now. 
Um, and then, of course, like being Muslim, we don't talk about the fact that there are queer Muslims. Yeah. Um, in fact, many religious communities don't. So that's uh, whatever. Um, so there, there was that. There was like coming out in like queer spaces, like reconciling that with my Muslim identity. And like there, I also started to date a lot more seriously. So I, you know, was like dating non-Muslims for the most part. But then, you know, I ended up um, in a really serious relationship um, with someone. And, uh, you know, I was like, remember telling you that they call the, the MSA the Matrimonial Muslim or oh, Matrimonial yeah. Students Association? Which I didn't know about at all. <laughs> because the struggle is real. Okay. So, <laughs> like, the cool thing about, like, you know, having to retape this is I totally got to, you know, listen to your other podcast. But I was just like, but the struggle is so real <laughs> for, like, you know, high achieving, like, Muslim woman finding a match. <laughs> Especially if you want someone who's a Muslim. Exactly. Exactly. And then, like, you know, if you are, like, super highly educated and you're going to certain universities, it's not just being Muslim, but also, like, you know, having, like, the same political leanings, having them, you know, appreciate you as, like, you stand as, like, a feminist and, like, all these other things. And I think the feeling was, you know, I'm not going to speak for everyone, but I can definitely, like, kind of say when I was, like, Davis first, I was just like, okay, they check all the boxes. Also, you know, to get back to the issues of race how we treat that in the Muslim community. You know, the person I was dating was another halfie. So you understood each other? Yeah, we understood each other. Kind of like that feeling of, you know, being in and out of, like, cultures. They were super high-achieving, very intelligent, very kind person. So we, like, dated, and we actually ended up, you know, getting married. Um, Which is not something I recommend doing if you're 21 years old. I have to say, I was really surprised when I found that out. That is very young. It is so young. Long story short, um, the marriage did not last. But even more so, like, in the Muslim context, the way we treat dating and actually how we don't want to admit that dating happens and how people are shamed when they date. And I feel like, you know, we kind of talked about this. I feel like it's a lot, this is so weird. It's a lot more present in, like, the American Muslim community. Yeah, because growing up, I, d- I didn't have, I don't think there was such a strong stigma on dating. I was, and there's not even that strong separation of sexes in like French speaking West Africa where I grew up compared to Northern Africa or the Middle East. So it was not nothing that was extremely thrown upon. Like you, you date, you have boyfriends, you have girlfriends. So coming to the US and coming to college and being exposed to other experiences of like growing up Muslims, when I realized, oh, for some families, like you can't date at all, it goes straight to like getting married. And like that was like a, something I had to reconcile. So am I practicing the religion wrong, or is it just culture actually prevailing on the religion? So it was yeah, like no, something and it's for like you to know totally out. culture because like this is the same in Malaysia. Some of my cousins and like friends have been in like these really long term relationships, and like they'll probably like end up getting married, but they've also like dated before, and it's just like not unusual to see couples like holding hands yeah. in public and like you know being out on dates, and they look really adorable too. <laughs> Um, it's like actually kind of annoying. <laughs> I'm like the love Grinch. What? There's no reason for you to be the love Grinch. I know, but I really am kind of. No, I go between like the doting auntie and like the love Grinch. I think it's like you know when I've I've been away from Mike for a really long time. Okay. And I'm like I don't want to see happy couples. That's what it is. How dare you? Actually, that's a good transition. Uh-huh. I am a big fan of Mike, as you know. <laughs> I think he's a very interesting and very special person. Yeah. And I kind of know, like, you had, like, a funny first date. 
<laughs> so I don't know if you don't mind sharing that and also telling me why you gave him a second chance. <laughs> so the context is that Mike is my partner. We've been together for almost five years. And like Hedy said, he's awesome. Mm. The thing is, is like the whole Mike Nasreen thing almost did not happen. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, I was I was in law school, um, you know, ready to get back on the scene, as the kids say. <laughs> um, so I was in law school, and um, you know, I was just kind of like, I'm not dating other law students because. <laughs> And then, you know, like, right next to Northwestern Law, there's the med school. And so you also, like, saw all these, like, household med students. And you're just like, yep, if I dated them, I'd probably never see them. So, nope. <laughs> Even though, you know, like, that doctor-lawyer combo would have, like, made my mom really happy. <laughs> because I'd be miserable. <laughs> exactly. And I ended up not practicing, so that's that's cool. Um, So I ended up, like, this was before Tinder, guys. So you had to, like, go on Match.com and, like, rate things. <laughs> Like, but you were cheap. <laughs> I was so cheap. I was just like, I'm going to do the free trial because I'm not paying money for this. So I got like a free one month trial. <laughs> and I was just like, let me fill out my dating resume. All right. <laughs> I am not taking this seriously. Streams typing. What do you like? Sea otters. I like sea otters. <laughs> And then I, like, I don't even know. So um, after we recorded this for, like, the first time, Mike, like, went back and, you know, found our old match messages. And so basically he is a lot more romantic than I am. <laughs> and I was just kind of like, oh, I didn't take that as oh <laughs> But anyway, so, like, Mike messages me. Right, and so since I, I'm really type A, so like the first thing that caught me with like, <laughs> yeah, this is hilarious. Um, the first thing that caught me with this message, I was like, there is an intro, analysis, and conclusion. <laughs> there are no typos. <laughs> I see your thesis statement bright and clear. Swing. <laughs> And so after, like, I kind of, like, did the visual verification, like, it was neatly. Because otherwise you get these messages that are, like, yo, want to hang slash inappropriate whatever. And so I was just, like, okay, wait, this is, like, an actual, like, letter yeah. by a person who, like, seems literate. <laughs> um, so then I went through it. I was, like, wow, he actually read my, oh, now that's embarrassing because he read my profile. And I was, like, <laughs> <laughs> spent no time on that. So, um, I ended up, like, you know, messaging him back, and then we're just, I was, like, um, well, he was just, like, so, do you want to go out to dinner sometime? I was, like, sure, do you want to go get Ethiopian food? Because Ethiopian food is delicious. Now I really want some. So, <laughs> he picks me up, we go to a restaurant, and... You know, so I'm fair, fairly, like, you know, verbose. But I, like, noticed that, like, Homeboy's not talking to me. <laughs> like, barely. And I'm just like, what? Why? <laughs> How dare you? Did that make you nervous? No, I was, like, annoyed. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> so what is it? his explanation, his justification for that? He's shy. Because oh. you met him. Yeah, you I met know? him. So yeah. he's, like, shy. 
when he first meets people. But, you know, like, he'd been really, you know, kind of, like, open in our messages. So I was, like, expecting more. So I was just kind of like, oh, my God, this is over now. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> and so I was, like, really surprised when after dinner he's like, oh, because we were in Chicago. Um, and he's like, okay, so do you want to go walk by the lake? I was like, okay, fine. I don't know why. Um, so we're like walking by the lake, and it's like really romantic. And then he like kisses me. I was just like, "Wait, what?" But I thought you didn't like me because you weren't talking. Yeah, talking. So then, like, I get an email from him. Like the next day, I was just like, "I had a really great time." I was like, "Were we on the? Were we on the same date?" <laughs> <laughs> he just enjoyed listening to you. That's all. <laughs> I wish that were still the case now. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that's that's like early days. Like you can't you can hold on to that. Yeah. Now, now he has like opinions. <laughs> what do you expect? He learned from you. Supposed <laughs> <laughs> to learn that. <laughs> um. So the next week we um. So, oh, before I get to that, so I got another message from another person. His name was also Mike. <laughs> Unlike Mike number one, Mike number two, talk to me on our first date. <laughs> so, like, after I get the email from Mike number one saying, you know, I had a really good time at Ethiopia and we should, like, go out sometime, I get, like, the email from Mike number two, hey, do you want to go out to, like, tapas and, like, you know, salsa? And I was just like, uh, yeah, I do want to go out to tapas and salsa. Let me, like, you know, put that in my calendar, like, now. <laughs> um, you know, Mike number one, just like, oh, he was, like, sweet, whatever. There's a romantic walk. I will actually break up with him in person. <laughs> so I was just like, let me like slot you in for coffee right before I go out for tapas. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, so I double booked him. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm a terrible person. <laughs> also, like, you know, if you meet Michael, you just really like see he is like the sweetest person ever. He is. <laughs> he's so great. He's one of my favorite people at has. <laughs> yeah, he, he's like my favorite person too. But yeah, so I like go out for coffee with him. And, uh, we, like, just really hit it off. Okay. And, like, we end up, you know, being together for pretty much six... He was, like, supposed to go to a Cubs game, I think, with his company. He ended up, like, canceling on his Cubs game. I ended up calling other Mike, and I was like, I'm sick. <laughs> what a player. <laughs> I was like, I can't make it. <laughs> sick. <laughs> I don't know. Oh my god! Everyone uses that. <laughs> okay, I know that you guys are now like you've been dating for what five years, oh, four and a half. Four and, a half. Yeah. and then he's like he moved to California for his for his MBA, so you're doing the long distance thing, and now you're thinking about long term, like where you want to go. Mm-hmm. And you, I know he have like a very your activism is, matters a lot to you. You also have political ambitions, mm-hmm. so uh, I'm really curious, like throughout your relationship, what is it about Mike that kind of reinforce? that, hey, this is, like, the partner I want to have. Mm-hmm. And especially because he's not Muslim, so... So, um, you know, starting with, like, the Muslim question, I think the biggest lesson that I learned was, like, for me personally, it actually wasn't as important that the person I was with is Muslim. Because, like, initially, you know, I did want to marry another Muslim, yeah. be with another Muslim. Because, like, my identity is just, like... You know, like, yeah, there's my racial and, like, you know, national 
like identity but like the thing that has always defined me is the fact that I am Muslim (laughs) and my faith is really important to me but after kind of you know getting married and like having that end kind of like discovered all right frankly my muslimness mm-hmm. like it's something that just needs to be respected i don't necessarily like need a partner that mm-hmm. is muslim because i think like my takeaway was that you know i do need a partner that shares the same values but also has like compatible ambitions yeah because you know there are so many things you know i want to do like run for office found my own venture capital room and there's there are so many people for whom that's, like, just not something they'd be, like, comfortable with, like, having in their lives. The thing about, like, Mike is, uh, you know, and I think this should be, like, very telling for, you know, anyone, any person considers as, like, their partner, but, like, you know, when I told him, you know, kind of the list of, like, hopes and dreams, Mm -hmm. like, he took them very seriously. Mm -hmm. When you're thinking about doing big things, it's really easy to kind of, like, dismiss them, like, dismiss, like, the audacity of of those dreams because um you know like what if you don't achieve them what if your partner doesn't achieve them right it's kind of scary yeah um and so and that was like so important because on those days when I'm just kind of like yeah so I think I'm just like meant to be a Stepford wife he's like (laughs) please don't (laughs) um also like we'll go get ice cream and then uh, (laughs) you know we'll hit the ground running again right (laughs) um so it's just like when you're able to, like, share those hopes and dreams with, like, with a partner and they're able to be there for you and believe in you 110%, like, that makes such yeah. a difference. Because, like, the other thing is, is, like, when we're thinking about, you know, like, our careers, like, we're thinking about how um, they get us to, like, the bigger goal. So, you know, like, Mike getting an MBA here, what does that, like, how does that translate yeah. to our bigger goal? Like, me, you know, moving to a venture capital firm, how does that, like, transfer yeah. to our to our bigger goal? So it's, like, really having... You know, like, that partner who's, like, painting the big picture with you. Yeah. And again, when it comes to my faith, you know, I think early on we were just like, okay, so if we have kids, what does that mean? Yeah. And it's like, um, you know, I was just like, well, it's really important for me that they are raised, you know, as Muslims because, <clears throat> you know, my Malaysian, like, culture and identity is also really important really strong and that is you know like also my muslim culture and muslim identity that like ties into that how did he what was he how does he take that i'm just like no that's fine (laughs) he's like you know as long as you if it gets you to like do more than schedule one-on-ones with our potential (laughs) it's fine i'm like I think you guys have gone by now that I say ridiculous things <laughs> and Mike ignores Well, that's the only thing you can do. <laughs> what else? <laughs> um, more, <laughs> more seriously, it was just like, no, that is something that's super important. And then, you know, we talked about it too, like family traditions that we want to incorporate mm. from like both sides of the family, like, you know, and kind of building our own culture based off of that. Yeah when we think about you know values we share you know there are values that transcend religion absolutely i mean like when we think about the core value, even if you look at the five pillars of islam like they they contain like values that apply to everyone yeah right you know be charitable use your privilege you know for uh, making the world a better place you know always pursue justice bring justice to like those who are around you and it's just like those are things that we are both so firmly committed to that it's just like it all Balls in the place, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you.
Is there anything else you wanted to add? Um, I love you, Mike. <laughs> wow, I was not expecting that. <laughs> Thanks for letting me talk about our personal life <laughs> in public. <laughs> Thank you so much, Nisreen, for doing a take two. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. So this is it for today. Thank you again for spending time with us. You can find us on SoundCloud and iTunes and would love for you to stop by and leave reviews and rate us. A bientôt. What we do here is go back, 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 back.